Welcome to the resource room. I'm Amanda, the blogger and TPTer behind the Primary Gal. As a special education teacher, you are always supporting others, students, parents, general education teachers. But who is supporting you? That's where this podcast comes in. It's my mission to give you the help and support that you need. I'll be sharing my tips, tricks, research-based strategies, and professional development. I'm here to help you grow and learn as a resource room teacher. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Well, hello, hello, and welcome to the Resource Room Podcast. I feel like this is almost like a new introduction. I've It's been so long. I have lots of thoughts, apologies, things to say. But first off, welcome back. This podcast has honestly been something that I have been able to do very, very consistently for years until this school year. And so I hope as a listener, as a special education teacher, you can understand and sympathize that we just have years that are pure chaos, that are crazy, that you just can't get your footing. And that's been this year for me. And then on top of all of that, this is just a little backstory. You can skip ahead if you're like, Amanda, I don't care. Get to the point of the podcast. But so I have suffered for years and years. My youngest daughter is 11 and uh, it kind of came back after I had her some issues with my thyroid and my adrenal glands. And so I've just been really, really tired for like literally years. And in the last... I don't even know, six to nine months or something, I was just like tired all the time. I could wake up and go right back to sleep. And I was still taking my medicine, but I hadn't been for blood work in quite a while. And so I thought, you know, look at all this medicine that I'm taking, whether it be prescription or like supplements, look at all this. And I still feel like I'm dying. Like, I I don't know what else to do to make things better. I'm living off of five hour energy, Uh, vitamin B12 gummies, things like that to give you some energy. And I'm still exhausted all the time. So I went to a doctor here who um, it kind of specializes in like homeopathic approaches to things. He does a lot of blood work, a lot of tests and a lot of different things to kind of see what your levels are on some of these supplements. I went to him years ago, but like I said, it's been, I would guess probably eight to 10 years since I went to him last. And so keep in mind, I just said this year has been really rough and I'm really tired and every weekend, all I want to do is sleep. I come home from school. All I want to do is go to sleep. Like literally, I'm barely making it to 2 p.m., much less than do anything productive after school. So I found out I have, I've had mono at some point in the last six to nine months. They don't really know. Apparently, it's something that if you have the virus, it'll show but it doesn't tell you where you stand or whatever. So anyway, I'm building antibodies to that. I still feel like crap and and still surviving on five hour energy, but at least I guess now I have answers. So that's my sob story. It's been a wild year with behaviors at school, then throw in apparently having mono. I don't know. And I've just been really tired. So now full disclosure, it's Christmas break and I'm going to record a whole season of the podcast because you know, that's what I like to do. And then we'll see where it goes from there. Hopefully, um, you know, I'm doing some like vitamin C treatment and, um, some new adrenal medicine. Hopefully that helps, 
build up some of this energy. But for now, it's Christmas break. I am well rested and I'm going to record a season of this podcast. And I hope you understand. I This is what I love. I love to sit and talk about things that are that I see myself and other special education teachers struggling with. But you know what? Sometimes you're just a little bit pooped. So here we go. So today's episode is um, actually back in September. I made a Facebook post in the Resource Room Facebook group and said, hey guys, tell me about some of your crappy, crappy goals. We've all written them. We've all received them. And give me some of your favorites. And so I want to read a couple because literally some of these are so stupid and I, I think you guys can relate. In the Facebook group, Jamie posted, student will increase his reading skills. Student will increase his math skills. Thanks. What specifically? Like, what are we working on here? So uh, those are the silly kinds of goals that, uh, you know, we see. We all see them. We've all probably written them, to be honest, where we had no idea what we were doing. Um, another student will retell events without lying 70% of the time. So they can lie 30%. <laughs> We'll bowl a 10 frame of bowling. We'll increase phonics and readiness skills. Sarah commented and said goals that shove five different skills into one, OMG. And that is totally, totally true. And so that's kind of what I wanna talk about in this series is we have all, whether we wrote them, whether we inherited them, what are some reasons why we might have some crappy IEP goals? And then throughout this series, how can we fix some of those, which leads us to then progress monitoring being just a little bit easier. So my first reason, and one that I really believe strongly in, this is something I was kind of mapping out some things that I wanted to work on over the next year. And one of the things that I wanna talk about a lot this year is assessment and knowing our students. And so one reason that I think sometimes we have really crappy IEP goals is that you or whoever wrote that IEP goal did not know the student well enough. And to be fair, we have all had situations where, you know, a student moves in. Uh, I had one once um, where it was right in the middle of WIDA. And so, you know, my whole schedule is interrupted because I'm testing all of my students who are English language learners and have IEPs. I have a student move in. I'm not really seeing my groups regularly because we're interrupted by testing and it's just not a good time. But you know what? That 10-day timeline to hold a move-in conference doesn't change. And so then you go into a meeting and you don't know the student as well as you might if of those 10 days, you had five or six days of real groups, you got to see them with their peers, you got to see them do a little bit of reading or writing or math, it's just different. So we have all had those situations, but sometimes you might have a really crappy goal because you didn't know that student very well. Or sometimes it's really easy to criticize somebody who wrote an IEP before us and then we inherit it and you're like, God, what were they thinking? Maybe they had a situation like that where they didn't know the student well enough. They weren't able to get a good assessment or a good grasp of them. And so therefore the goal is eh, not the greatest. They were doing the best they had with the information that they had. Now that first reason was not knowing our students very well. Next, we're gonna kinda, the next reason is shifting to ourselves. So sometimes, you know, especially in those early years of teaching, we don't know what we're doing. We were not trained 
in a way that makes sense. Every school looks at special education programs differently. And so sometimes those goals are kind of crappy because you don't know what you're doing. And that's okay, but you gotta work on that. And if you've been following me for any length of time, you probably know that I talk a lot about routines and how important routines are. Every group that you have should have some routines around it. What are you doing every day? You start the group the same way every day, or maybe you start the same the group the same way every Monday or every Tuesday, but you're doing the same things day in and day out or week in and week out so that there are routines for what you're doing. And then that makes it very easy, easy to know that your students are going to be able to work on the goal that you actually assigned to them. They're going to make progress because you're working on it every day. And then you can start to think, okay, how am I gonna write this goal that fits into what we're doing every day to make progress monitoring easier? So sometimes, yeah, you just inherit a crappy goal. Sometimes you inherit a goal and you're like, well, that doesn't really fit my routines, but the goal itself may not be as terrible as what I was thinking. But then sometimes really, we just write some terrible goals because we don't know what we're doing. And I've shared this story before and I'll share a quick and dirty version of it again. My first few years of teaching, my goals standing alone were fine. But then the actual progress that my students were making on them was not the greatest because I was bouncing all over the place. I'd realized that my students couldn't decode very well. And so I'd make a few kids with decoding goals if they were maybe in that September, October range. Then a few months later, I'm like, well, Lord Jesus, we don't even have basic sight words memorized. Some of these words that just don't follow typical spelling patterns. Ugh, I'll make some goals about that. So I might have a couple of months of annuals where those were the goals. But guess what? All of the kids who have decoding goals, I stopped working on that because I went on to sight words. Or I'd be like, oh my gosh, they can't even write a sentence or they can't you know, recall basic information from a text. And so I would change those goals based on what problems I was seeing in my students as a whole. And that's fine as long as I'm still working on all the things that I was writing goals for three months ago, two months ago, six months ago. So having a good routine allows you to work on all of those things. I can work on decoding and sight words, reading fluency, reading comprehension, writing, all the things, because guess what? It's all covered. So no matter what that student needs, I have a routine that's going to address it. I have a routine that's going to help them master that goal. But if I'm just all willy-nilly all over the place, things aren't going to get done in a way that makes sense. I'm going to leave some behind or then some of those goals are going to be like, well, gosh, how am I supposed to monitor this goal when I haven't been doing that consistently? I also think that another reason why sometimes we um, write some goals that maybe just aren't top notch or aren't exactly perfect for that student, sometimes I think comes down to time. And maybe this is just, um, you know, I'm kind of when I take the blame for things that aren't even my fault sometimes. So maybe that's what this is. But sometimes I think goals could be written and it's because we didn't have the time to actually like digest that information. Or um, sometimes, you know, we give something and we're like, oh, they're good at this. Oh, they're good at that. Oh, okay, okay. 
but we never took time to go back, like, for example, and say, give them nonsense words to read. Because guess what? You thought they were such a good little reader when they were reading real words. But actually, they can't decode a word to save their life. You know, those kinds of things. I think sometimes time is also a reason why we have some crappy IEP goals. I don't have a great solution for that because we can't go to the store and buy more time. But I do think that being a, a better planner as far as, okay, next week, these are the meetings that I have. So I need to allow plenty of time to assess those students. If I need to give them one assessment and realize that, oh, wow, they actually are still struggling with this, or I'd like to see how they're doing with that. I need to have that time to be able to do that. And I feel like over the last couple of years, I've gotten much better about planning my time and when am I going to have this conference so that I can kind of work backwards and think of when should I be assessing them? When should I be scheduling the meeting? All of those things so that I'm not as pushed for time. But I can't pretend like in this perfect world that we live in, there aren't times where it's just last minute or, you know, my kids were sick or a student was sick and I didn't get to assess them as I would have liked. And so sometimes I think time is also a factor in getting to know those students' strengths and weaknesses. Even earlier, I mentioned getting a new student right in the middle of WIDA. That's a time problem. I, I have no control over it. I can't make more time. I can't cancel WIDA testing because I have a new student. We have to figure out how to make it work. But I think those are real, honest reasons why sometimes we have crappy IEP goals. It comes down to managing our time, having good routines, some of those kinds of things, going back to not knowing those students' strengths or weaknesses well enough to write a really good goal for them. The last and final reason why you might have a crappy IEP goal is because maybe things are changing in your building. Maybe um, you used to do a lot of resource room, like pull out, but now you're working more towards co-teaching. Maybe you were doing a lot of co-teaching, but now I see the trend going back to more of a resource room setting. So when things like that change in your building, that will impact the way you maybe monitor some of those goals. And the same is true on the flip side. Maybe the person who wrote that goal originally was in a push-in, co-teaching, you know, full inclusion type of setting where you do more of a resource room and you're like, well... How am I supposed to do that? Well, it fit their routine. It fit their needs. And then now you're in more of a resource room setting and that doesn't quite work. That's okay. It's going to feel really crappy and you're going to be like, gosh, I have to rewrite this goal. Yes, it happens. But if we're being honest, this is not the old school days of handwriting IEPs. It's computerized here, people. It is actually not that hard to change an IEP goal. Is it a fun use of your time? Maybe not, but it's not that hard. We can call or text parents and explain the situation. Most of the time they will willingly agree. And a lot of times if it's like, hey, they're able to do this and their previous school had them working on a lower level skill, I think actually he's ready for this. Most parents will happy, happily agree to that. And that is a great phone call to have, especially if it's a newer student that you have. It's a great positive interaction with that parent. 
But I encourage you before you go making phone calls, before you change a lot of goals, make sure that you have a really good foundation of what you are doing in your classroom so that you know, okay, it doesn't matter if this is a sight word goal, a fluency goal, a reading comprehension goal, there are time slots, there are routines, things that we're doing every single day or every single week to help these students grow in that area. And that will make my life easier whenever it's time to progress monitor that goal later in the year. Well, my friend, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to the Resource Room Podcast. I truly, truly love to help and support other special ed teachers. Because of that, I run a Facebook group just for us. Search the Resource Room and request to join. You can also check out my website, theprimarygal.com, for blog posts, pictures, and more information. Until next time, have a great week.